0: Welcome to Idaho Catholic Podcast. This is The Crew coming back to you again this week. We have a great group of guys and we have a great topic to share with you. And let's go around the room and just introduce ourselves. I'm Deacon Pat.
1: Mike is here. John's here. Nelson is here.
0: (laughs) And great, we've gathered again. We have the four. You know what, I, I do need to mention though, I think Nick has been missing in action for how many weeks now, you guys? I
1: don't know. I thought you just had him muted. <laughs> <laughs> He's here.
0: <laughs> That's an yeah. inside joke. You know, we got this new, um, what do you call this? Soundboard. Uh, a soundboard. Yeah. Um, quite a few weeks ago, and we had this whole podcast. And I was looking at, you know, I have this little dial thing I look at, and it shows really a scale of when we're talking. And I and and Nick's was hardly anything. And I kept trying to adjust these knobs and and I just couldn't get anything, you know, really expanding on this computer um, for his voice. And we get done with the whole podcast; it was thirty minutes. And I play it back, and when every time Nick was supposed to be speaking, it was just silent. And I figured out I had the mute button on Nick the whole time. What kind of a friend? are you anyway oh my goodness well i was so dedicated to really hearing his voice we stayed and recorded the whole talk all over again (laughs) no i don't know Anyway I was looking at um, an article the other day I
2: think Mike was giving you a segue there Deacon <laughs> ah.
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah thanks I appreciate it man what a friend um, <laughs> Hey, I was reading this article I was on the internet the other day and, and I was really I was I was doing my evening prayer and, and I was really thinking about friendship and um, and I was thinking about really what is an authentic Christian or Catholic friendship? And then this article went on to state that guys are pretty lucky. If you can look back on your life, especially when you get to middle-aged or or to, to where you're elderly, and you look back on your life and you think about how many really honest, authentic friends did you have in your life, the article was saying if you can count three or four You've been a very lucky and blessed man because most people will have many people that maybe they call friends. But to really have that deep kind of intimate kind of holy relationship with somebody um, where you can be vulnerable and they speak openly to you is actually very, very rare. So this article, it talked about having the five marks of a Christian fellowship. And I passed around uh, these short little papers to each of the guys here, and I thought we would take turns and just really go over each topic and and really maybe dive in and see what does that really mean? What does it really mean in, in our current culture, with our current lives, with the four guys sitting around this table, we're trying to live these authentic Catholic lives, and really... Um, What do these topics mean? So Nelson, I think you got number one, didn't you?
2: I did. So the first one is true friends heighten our joy in God.
0: Hey, Nelson, you got to turn your mic around. (laughs) Um, there's There's a front and a back. So if you turn it around, turn it around. There you go. You got it. True friends heighten our joy
2: in God. Companionship always deepens joy. My favorite move is good when watched alone, but it's better with a friend. Somehow a great meal is more satisfying when shared. We naturally drag our friends into what we enjoy. You have to see this movie. You have to come to this restaurant with me. But if all the joys of life, God is the greatest. We were made for him, to enjoy him and center our hearts and lives on him. And like any other joy, our joy in God will be fullest when we share it with other people. Christian friends help us to enjoy God by enjoying him with us. First thing that came to mind as I read this is we're recording this on January 2nd. January 2nd, right?
0: Um, we're recording it on January 2nd, but this one's
2: going to come out in a week. Yeah. And so just a couple of nights ago, I was with some of my some of my friends. Um, there were two priests and a transitional deacon and four other seminarians. And so the eight of us rented a house for New Year's to spend three days together. And we decided that on New Year's Eve, we would have a nice dinner. So we planned ahead of time what we, what we were going to bring and who was going to bring what. And we had a nice dinner and we sat around the table together and... Had great conversation for a couple of hours. And then we started to watch a movie, a great movie called Calvary. So that and that actually flowed from this idea here. You see a good movie, you want to share it with your friends. So we started watching that movie. Then we paused that movie at 11 because we had planned that shortly after 11 would start Mass. And then we would expose the Blessed Sacrament and have a holy hour to usher in the new year. And of course, we celebrated the Mass of the Holy holy mary mother of god on new year's eve so that was certainly my favorite new year's eve by far to date and it had these elements that we're talking about living all of us are seeking to conform our lives to the son of god more and more and we're discerning two three of us have already made permanent commitments to live as priests but the other five of us are still discerning what God whether God wants to live in this way, to have this relationship with Him. All eight of us are living Christ in our lives and trying to more and more. And yet we recognize that when we do it together, it's heightened as this says. True friends heighten our joy
0: in God. There must be, I, I think a lot of people who don't have a lot of religious friends or priest friends, um, often wonder, probably, what's it like when a bunch of priests get together. Or once a bunch of seminarians get together, are you the same way? Do you act the same way that we think you act when we see you at mass, or or are you are you different in any way? I, I think a lot of times people, the laity, are really removed from from the priests, and and they're just they they have a lot of questions and they kind of wonder about those things. I remember I spent a little bit of time with the franciscan friars of the renewal in new york and um and they lived together in kind of a fraternity like style the house we were at were a bunch of um i guess they're they're friars but they were they were seminarians they were going through the seminary to become priests at the same time but they lived in this fraternity and and they would all gather together and they'd do their prayers in the morning they would eat their meals together they would uh they would eat their dinner together. And it was probably just one of the most beautiful things. I can remember getting up early in the morning and they all kind of come out of their rooms and they live this really, um, I don't know, kind of stoic life in this way. They they don't have beds. They sleep on the floor and they get up in their gray habits and they stumble into the chapel and there's one, there's two, there's three. They come in and they start their morning prayer and there's the chanting. And it was probably one of the most holiest encounters that I had there were 20 guys in the small little chapel and praying the liturgy of the hours and chanting it and there was it was just an experience that if it's just one person it would not be the same so I think it was something about this this friendship this fraternity that they had that it had to inspire each other to live a holy life I don't know why I went off on that tangent no, but I did it's
3: right on <laughs> I, I heard from the smart person uh, about a year or two ago that you are the average of the five people you hang out with. Mm-hmm. So if you're surrounded by good quality people, then then you're going to be a quality person yourself, you know. But if if you f- find yourself hanging out with people who are not of such noble character, then, you know, y- y- it's going to be more difficult to maintain your own, own personal holiness. It's the the analogy I heard back as a kid, you know. When you're, um, uh, what is it? If you're in a swimming pool, it's easy to pull someone in with you, whereas it's hard to pull someone out. So if you're around good people, you're going to be more likely to be, you know, holy yourself. Whereas if you're hanging out with a bunch of people who are just not holy, losers, you're you're going to be, <laughs> you're not. And, and it reminds me of a scripture, um, which uh, is in Philippians, um, Philippians four eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about the, uh, such things. It's so important to to be have your mind um, filled with beauty and not with 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 sin. Have your mind filled with with holiness. I think you know this scripture is talking about friends per se, but the thing this this principle applies that you have to you have to surround yourself with people who are going to heighten your sense of joy for God.
1: Hmm. To go back several episodes, you remember the term immature zeal. Yeah, yeah. So I was um, Nelson. I was I was thinking about um, you know the opportunity of of being able to celebrate that together. You know, to to make a personal commitment. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna live a, a more spiritual life. You know, I'm gonna commit myself more deeply to God. Um, the term immature zeal was is absolutely putting yourself in a position of weakness. You know, trying to grasp too much too quickly. Um, but whenever you're living uh, or surrounded by others who share that same that same target that same goal, it's much easier to help shepherd each other and, and continue along uh, you know, on, the, on the right path. And we can gain strength and uh, momentum from others, too. Uh,
0: you yeah. know, I, I think sometimes about you know, we, we talk sometimes about the crisis that we have in our culture with, with the priesthood and, and how there are many, many holy fervent priests that are out there. But as we see in the news, sometimes there are some priests that have fallen away and got themselves in trouble. And I, I think it's the lack for many of them, the lack of having these holy friendships around them. They're, you know, they're overworked, they're isolated. They live by themselves. They live in this big rectory that that used to have more priests. Now there's one, they're all by themselves. And I think that by not having that friendship, That holy friendship where they can journey together, they can support each other, and are they actually calling them out on some things? A lot of times, if you're close with somebody, you can see when they're starting to do some dangerous things. Dangerous things, maybe not physically, but to their soul. And where are they going with that as well?
2: That first came into my awareness my first year of seminary. I went to Mondelein Seminary when Bishop Barron was still the rector there. And in one of his rector's conferences, he gave a a conference on the seven corporal works of mercy. And when he talked about reprimand the sinner, he brought up the sex abuse scandal, and how he said, that's a problem for us, isn't it, brother priests and seminarians? And that's one of the reasons why we've gotten to this place is because we've we've not done this corporal work of mercy. We haven't reprimanded the sinner among ourselves. And that was the first time that I had heard that angle, and I thought, wow. I mean, that's something that we hear. We have to do that with ourselves. We hear that all the time, but I didn't know that that was a problem in the priesthood. So since, since being in seminary, in seminary, I've noticed that the seminarians being in formation today and the young priests today, we're really intentional about building fraternity. And another, another angle here is the word fraternal correction, right? We talk about what well, we have to have fraternal correction. Well, without fraternity, we can't have fraternal correction. If we don't have fraternity, we just have correction and that, that may not be helpful either. So in order to have fraternal correction, in order for priests to be able to reprimand one another, in order for seminarians to be able to reprimand one another, in order for Christians as a whole to be able to, in general, to be able to represent one another, reprimand one another, we have to have fraternal with one another. And so we as seminarians and and, and young priests today, um, we're recognizing that in order if for there to be a true renewal of
0: the priesthood, and an essential element of that is priestly fraternity. Yeah, it's the relationship. There has to be a relationship between, because when you're talking about this fraternal correction and, and then there just being correction, there, there's the difference with just being corrected or being corrected in love, that somebody cares about you. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to have that relationship to really have that as really as the foundation to know, yes, this person's saying this to me, but I know that they love me and they care about me. You know, it brings back a thought. Um, the The bishop who ordained me, who is now retired, um, he talked once about um, when priests would come to him and they were in trouble, um, serious trouble, and were thinking about leaving or wanting to leave, and the very first question he always asked them was, because um, he knew the answer to it, he said, um, when did you stop praying your Liturgy of the Hours? It's <laughs> like the
3: question, when did you, when, have? You- or what is it? When did you start beating your wife? Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <yeah. laughs>
0: but but he, knew, he knew that before you got yourself into trouble, they stopped their prayer. They disconnected their relationship with Christ. And I think if you lived in fraternity or you lived with other people, you would hold yourself accountable, each other accountable, for your prayer time. It's when you live in isolation. And you could live in isolation even being married. You could have your spouse, but you really live two separate lives. And you're not enjoined in the faith. And then when you start living these separate lives, even in the same household, you do that, you're not accountable to each other. Yeah, so we we could go on and on, but we've only hit one topic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> John, can you share what your topic is? Yeah,
1: actually, the next one that that we have is is talking about true friends expose sin in us that keeps us oh, from good God. segue. So it's you know, ties directly into that. I want to I want to share a couple of things to say. So first of all, the uh, uh, shares a verse from Proverbs, and it says, "Faithful are the wounds of a friend; profuse are the kisses of an enemy." And um, it goes on to say, we need friends to lovingly show us our sin. We need friends to help us see our blind spots. We need friends to speak with brutal honesty. And that comes from Matthew 18:15. and tender compassion, Galatians 6:1, telling us the truth about ourselves even when we don't want to hear it, Ephesians 4:15. And anyway, it goes on to talk about how uh, in our sin that we're deceived, and, and really, it, it darkens our understanding and, and makes us fools um, when we, we're we not able to see our, our own sin. And so we really um, will tend our tendency would be to walk in sin, um, similar to like the Pharisees of thinking that we're obeying God, but actually we're we're acting contrary and we're not even really aware of it. So we desperately need these friends to help guide us and, and bring some of these shortcomings and speak brutal honesty to us um, in that fraternal correction you were speaking of. Um,
3: and and to not be that friend to someone else is the sin of omission. Right. So it's also not only do we need people in our lives to speak to us about our sins, to call us out, but we we need to make sure that we're not committing the sin of omission by not doing the same thing ourselves.
1: Exactly. You know this. This article goes on to say that this. You know, it's a vital function in our community that we have this, but it's something that nobody wants to do. So nobody wants to take this on ourselves. And I, that's a great segue. Also, that that sin of omission. What I've. You know, what I have done and what I've failed to do. You know, and so that that definitely brought uh, that thought to my mind in in my daily reflection of. Of how if, if am I really being a friend, a true friend to others? Um,
0: yeah, because I was, I was just thinking, John, as you were talking. You know, I think all of us, we we want to have these these awesome relationships, even if we have one one or two with somebody, and you know, we, we want to be loved dearly and cared for dearly mm-hmm. um, by by someone else. However, I think we have to turn that around, and instead of just wanting something what are we actually giving to someone else? And maybe if we ask that question, how many times in my life have I gone to somebody in a loving, charitable way and said something that was very uncomfortable, not in meanness at all. I did it because I cared about their soul. And I knew that that this could be something very difficult to do. And, And so if we asked ourselves, how many times have we actually done that? If we haven't, then are we really putting ourselves and creating the type of relationships where we can have these authentic kind right. of loving relationships?
1: Yeah, we're, we're giving them false grace and false hope. And, uh, and, and in that way, we're excusing their sin and allowing them to continue on um, living, living this way and growing farther from God rather than closer to and, it.
0: And what is the ultimate result? Could be, um, you know, we had God's grace to see that they were starting to go down a wrong path. And if we said nothing, Mike, you said about like a sin of omission, if we said nothing for that, where did that journey progress to? And are they going to be, by their own decisions, but by our fault, by not bringing this loving, charitable correction, are they going to end up in hell?
1: well and the one thing that I want to add to this too is that you know it definitely takes the negative connotation to all of this that you know that we're correcting you know Mm -hmm. some wrong but I think also you could absolutely um, I think that's what what they're alluding to here that people will want to shy away from this but if we take it from a perspective of invitation um, you know questioning like you know I I missed you at at, uh, you know family ministry the other day you know Jesus you know Sure, would love to have you there. You know that just putting that that welcome mat out there, um, I think could could help.
0: Because um, we can be creative ways. on how we do it. Yeah.
3: Right. <laughs>
0: yeah. Mike, what do you got for a topic?
3: All right. Topic three is true friends encourage us to obey God. Hebrews ten twenty four. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And it says, while it is true we need friends to help us see any disobedience, we also need them to spur us on to obedience. Often, obedience to God takes more courage than we can muster alone. Without the faithful cheerleading of Christian friends, we easily shrink back into stagnant apathy, not wanting to willfully disobey, but also too, too afraid to step out in faith. The encouragement we are told to give isn't flattery, or superficial inspiration. Encouragement is meant to give courage and strength to others for the intimidating task before them. We cast a bigger vision for why their obedience matters for God's kingdom. We affirm that their obedience glorifies God and counts in eternity. I like the part where they say, um, encouragement is meant to give, is for giving courage and strength to others for the intimidating task before them. Hmm. And it's not just superficial. And I always hated it when, when my boss said things like, thanks for all you do. I'm like, well. <laughs> and then walk away. Be, yeah, can you be more specific? Like, you, you, it just tells me you don't even know what I do. Like, we need to be give be giving encouragement to one another. And um, I, I remind him of Paul who says, um, Follow me as I follow Christ, and to be giving that kind of encouragement. And I, I, I was thinking about this might be kind of cheesy here. Hope not. But um, you know that that song, uh, King Wenceslas, good King Wenceslas. Hmm. Dun 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 na oh, okay. na You guys know that, that tune, right? So. I okay, think so. Okay, well, I. I I, I started crying <laughs> last year when I actually looked up the lyrics for this song because I heard it. And I was like, that's kind of a, a, a funny old tune. And I, it, this reminds me of this, um, this, this song and since this, it's a Christmas song, right? So this is kind of appropriate here. So, and I'm just reading the, the last little bit of it, but it says, it's the king and his page, okay? And the, the page is saying to the king that they're in the middle of a snowstorm hiking and they have a long ways to go. Says, Sire, this is the page, Sire, the night is darker na- now, and the wind blows stronger. Fails my heart, I know not how, I can go no longer. And the king says, Mark my footsteps, my good page, tread thou in them boldly. Thou shalt find the winter's rage, freeze thy blood less coldly. In his master's step he trod, where the snow lay dinted, heat was in the very sod which the saint had printed therefore christian men be sure wealth or rank or, p- p- wealth or rank possessing ye who now will bless the poor shall find yourselves shall, shall yourselves find blessing and I, I just thought about how we our job is to get ourselves to heaven and our job is to get those around us to heaven especially you know as a as a husband my job is to get my wife to heaven. As a father, my job is to get my kids into heaven. And that should be the sole focus. And, and I need to get those around me into heaven to encourage them and to um, bolster, bolster their faith. And, and because it, it, it is hard, this life is hard. We can't do it alone. We have to have others they are helping us. And I've, I, I, One of these days, I want to start a, a men's group called the Society of St. Simon of Cyrene. Because I've always been just encouraged by the fact that even Jesus could not carry his cross by himself. Even Jesus had to get help. He couldn't do it by himself. So who am I to think that I can do it by myself? I can't. I need help.
0: Wow. That's gives us something to think about for sure.
2: One thing I've been praying with lately is the story of the prodigal son. And we're all really familiar with the story. And we spend a lot of time on the prodigal son. And that's probably what we're most familiar with, what comes to mind most often. The older brother, it's interesting what happens with him. He is one who does all of the chores that he's expected to do. And he stays in the father's house. And when the prodigal son returns, he gets really upset that he's not getting the reward that should be given to him.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: One thing that Jesus is revealing to us there, I think, is that those are two different ways in which we can reject our relationship with the Father. They both commit the same error. They both reject their relationship with the Father. One of them does by trading, literally trading the relationship with the Father for money so he can go away and spend in whatever way he wants. And that's really easy to see, right? When if we see somebody leaving God, somebody leaving the church, we'll say, Oh, he's the prodigal son. He's leaving. Let's pray for his return. Let's hope that he returns. The older son stays in the father's house, but his focus is solely on doing what the father wants him to do. He, too, rejects his relationship with the father. He no longer sees himself as a son of the father. He sees himself as an employee, or worse, as a slave, who has to work to receive the father's reward. The reward that he perceives he should give from the Father has now become more important to him than the relationship with the Father itself.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We hear the word obey, true friends encourage us to obey. Now what does the word obey mean and what, how does that fit into this paradigm? The word obey can be misconstrued and be applied to the older son. He obeyed, shouldn't he be rewarded? The word obey actually means to listen, obedere. The etymology is to listen, to listen to the Father. Mm. That is
0: to obey. Mm. Well, let's jump into number four, you guys. Number four really focuses on true friends bring us to God in our weaknesses. And it quotes a scripture from the Gospel of Luke, where I think many of us know about it, where some men were bringing... um, a man who was paralyzed to bring him in front of Jesus. Um, They couldn't find a way to bring him in because the crowd, and so they really broke open the roof and they let him down to put him in the midst of Jesus. So something to ponder really regarding this, um, I'll share from this uh, article. Walking through life in a God-belittling world with our sin-ridden flesh against a hell-bent enemy is too hard to be attempted alone. Alone, we easily believe the lies of Satan. Alone, we buckle under the weight of our own sins. Alone, we grow discouraged and weary. Like a paralytic, we need the help of other believers to carry us to God. When I read this, I thought about uh, yesterday. And so we are taping this, even though it's not going to come out until um, January 9th. We're taping this on January 2nd. And uh, yesterday, I we were, were invited over to a Catholic family's home, and uh, I believe they have five kids. It was a husband and wife, and they homeschool the kids, and and they're trying to live a very authentic Catholic life. And when I show up, Mike's there with his wife and his clan of kids, and gosh, we had twenty kids in the house. It Way felt too like many people.
3: <laughs> it was a good time, and, and we shared
0: chili, and we had we had chili and cornbread, and. And we visited. The kids were having fun. I think they were playing Twister. And then we sent them upstairs because they were too loud. And we got around the table and we started playing cards. But one of the things that I noticed when I was sitting there, we're playing poker, right? I think I was scoring, too, on that. Uh, My wife, though, Liz, was doing great, right? Yeah. Um, But anyway, one of the things I thought about is, you know, I've surrounded myself here with these, these two families that are trying to live this authentic life. And I just thought, you know, the power of just this friendship of being with these people, they all we all want the same thing. we We want to be holy. We want to grow closer to Christ. Um, and the amount of like service and love, and I saw even the older kids helping the younger kids, and you see that in big families a lot, I just thought, you know, we really create the world that we live in by the choice of people that we surround ourselves with. And really what I was just sharing with this number four topic, that true friends bring us to God in our weaknesses. I think by being a true friend, you're really cognizant of what your friends are going through in their life. And you're not so self-centered that you don't see those things, but you're aware of it. And when somebody's struggling, you're there for them. You offer your, your love, your services, your care. You not only pray for them in private, but you let them know that you're praying for them and you pray with them. You spend time with them. Um, those are my thoughts. What about you guys? What about the idea that true friends bring us to God and our weaknesses? You guys have any thoughts or reflection about that? Have you ever had a time in your life where you felt like, Things were not going well, or you were beaten down, and someone did something in your life, or they uh, were there for you. Does anything come to mind? Well, you guys are thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Lay it on us. Um, what do you got for us? I think I shared with this with you guys one time before, but... Um, it was it was a time in my life I still remember to this day. I was a I was a younger man and we had kids at home and and I was working in a hospital and I think it was a couple of days before Christmas and I and uh, I lost my job abruptly. They were shutting down the mental health unit. And um, I was counting on this last check to buy presents, and and um, anyway, so I was I was at home and I wasn't knowing what I was going to do, and and the mailman came and he brought this he brought this letter, and um, and I opened up this letter and it was from a parishioner at the church, and it was a thousand dollar check that he sent me just out of the blue. I didn't even know this man very well, but he was a prayerful man, and I just have to just think that with his relationship with God and his prayer life um, that he just knew that, 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 that we needed something. So I just wonder, you know, how are we praying in our life? Are we praying to help identify people who maybe need our help, our Christian charity? And, and are, are we acting upon that? I think those are just things to ponder in our life. What do you guys think about friendship? What do you, what are you guys seeking in a friendship? What's important to you in your life and your journey?
2: One thing that comes to mind and that it also dovetails with your previous question, Deacon Pat, is how can you read that again? Just read that title?
0: Yeah, so it's true friends bring us to God in our weakness.
2: So to bring to God in our weakness, of course that maybe there are many different layers to that. One is the one you highlighted, when we're really down and we're weak, and somebody encourages us and goes back to Mike's point as well. Maybe another angle too is does and goes this ties back with the idea of fraternal correction is Does someone, do our friends help us recognize our blind spots? In other words, recognize what areas of our lives are not yet conformed to Christ or not yet converted. This just happened actually this weekend when I was with my seminary friends and a couple of close priest friends. One of them, we were having a one-on-one conversation outside and he pointed out to me something about my life that he had observed over the years that we've known each other that he hadn't brought to my attention before. And when he did my first was a, it was a knee-jerk reaction. I no, that can't be true. You're not really talking about me This is just someone else that you're thinking of you're completely mistaken there I didn't say that I listened to him and I fought against that reaction within me and just stayed quiet and just listened to him and then I've been noticing what he said in my actions and in my thoughts and in my interactions with others and even just in the last 48 hours and i've become to realize more and more actually no he's his right his observation is right and that's i mean that's grace grace allows us to see that but also our friends allow us to see that so to show
0: can you read that again one more time yeah so true friends bring us to god in our weakness bring us to god in our weakness if that area
2: of weakness had not been If the light of Christ had not been shown in that area of weakness, then I would not be able to bring it to God.
0: And how do you ever grow? That's what what I was thinking, because I I just, I often ponder, you know, the way I look at life is the way I look at life. I only know what I know. I only see what I see. It's only through really these insights from God's grace that are really kind of rare I think they're there all the time, but for us to be cognizant of it, sometimes it, it doesn't come as often as we like maybe in our life, but but really it's through our relationships and it's our friends that can help us. It's about having a spiritual director because we only know what we know. You, you, you have to be able to be humble enough and maybe be willing to seek out advice thoughts, perspectives of other people, especially people that you see as holy, that are living a good Christian solid life, and and to ask them, what do you really think about me? What do you really think about this decision I'm thinking about making? Um, come on, I can handle it, but then we have to be humble and be able to really acknowledge it. Um, as you're talking, I thought of something, and it happened maybe like 30 years ago, and I was working um, on a uh, children's psychiatric floor and um, it was common back then these kids were pretty disturbed they had a lot of traumatic things happen in their life and and they would be self-abusive and sometimes we'd have to you know kind of straddle hold them so to keep them from from hurting themselves these might be like six-year-olds five-year-olds and um, there was something that happened i don't even remember what happened but i probably didn't handle it in the best way and this nurse came up to me and, and again, I don't remember exactly what she said, but it had something to do with, um, you didn't handle that very well. You were probably used too much force maybe on that kid or, or something. And my initial reaction was, no, I didn't do that. But I remember, and it had to be probably God's grace that touched me in such a way. Um, cause I was a pretty proud guy, <laughs> the opposite of being humble. And, but, but it, I, it resonated enough that I really thought about that many, many times over the years, and what, what, that, what she said was spot on, and it really identified a weakness in myself that, that really I, I, I have to work on, have to work on through my life. But, but if she wouldn't have done that, how would that ever have been revealed to me? Again, God can reveal anything, but it was the courage and the love of that person to call me out on something, So, again, I think it's something that we need to think about in our own lives. Do we love other people enough to really tell them the truth? Even when the truth means saying something you don't think that they want to hear, but we're doing it really as a servant of God because we care about their soul. So how many people do we have in our life that we're doing that for because we love them enough to do it? I can't believe it, guys. It's that time again already. What a great conversation. Well, I want to thank you for listening. And um, I hope you have a wonderful evening. And uh, thanks for listening to the Idaho Catholic Podcast. Have a good night and God bless.